Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Hello. Welcome to the Liz Wheeler Show. I'm Liz Wheeler. So I would wish you happy Halloween since today is Halloween, but I actually hate Halloween. Like, hate, hate, hate Halloween. I hate how it's not the same at all as when I was a kid. Like, when I was a kid, I trick-or-treated every year till I was probably 14. I was one of the older kids that went around begging for candy. But I dressed up as, like, a pirate and a gypsy. One year I went as a Christmas tree. I think I went as a bum one year. I think I went as a deck of cards. All these very like wholesome outfits. When I was a really little kid and my mom dressed me up, I went as a princess, I went as a pumpkin, I went as a non-creepy clown back when clowns weren't creepy. That's not what Halloween is now. What Halloween is now is like this, this pagan, really demonic, really satanic celebration. And it really creeps me out. It's not something that my daughter will be participating in. It's not something that I enjoy. I actually hate all of the Halloween decorations. Because it's not just like, oh, this innocent spider web made of that that gauze spider stuff that you know what I'm talking about. It's not that anymore. It's not a scarecrow and a pumpkin and ears of different color corn. No, it's like horror movie stuff. There's actually a house nearby to us that is literally dressed up like Chucky. That's a horror movie. That's not Halloween. So I don't really want to wish people happy Halloween. It is my grandmother's birthday today, though. She's 87 years old today. She was born on Halloween. And she tells this story that when she was a kid and would go trick-or-treating, her sister would always tell everyone that it was her birthday and she would get double candy. So that's a really special memory that has to do with Halloween. Um, But yeah, yeah, that's all I have to say about Halloween. Something really spooky that doesn't have to do with Halloween, though, is YouTube has banned Steven Crowder from posting anything. It's the same kind of strike that I got on my YouTube channel, except this one's a little bit worse. Steven Crowder is banned from uploading anything on YouTube for two weeks, which means Steven Crowder is not allowed to upload anything until after the midterms. Steven Crowder's incredibly influential on YouTube. Incredibly influential. YouTube knows exactly what they're doing. They are trying to tip the midterm elections, tip these people that Steven Crowder reaches, tip their votes either Maybe they won't vote. Maybe they'll vote Democrat, but trying to make sure that they do not vote Republican. That's spookier than any of the House of Horror stuff that people dress up for Halloween. I myself am on day four um, out of YouTube jail. So I feel like my rehabilitation is is nearly complete here. Day four, although I will say, I, I don't know if you guys have experienced this on Twitter. When people report your tweet, you oftentimes get an email about it. It'll, it'll be from Twitter and it'll say, your, your tweet has been reported for, you know, al- the allegation is that you violated some law, but Twitter finds either that it did violate their terms of service or it didn't. Well, I have been getting reports from Twitter all day about my tweets about Paul Pelosi, Nancy Pelosi's husband, who was attacked by a man wielding a hammer, wearing underpants. And apparently leftists have been reporting this tweet. Fortunately, Twitter has informed me that my tweet does not violate their terms of service, nor does it violate German law, which is also something that Twitter tells you during these reports. So um, since so many leftists didn't want to hear, or didn't want you to hear about that tweet, I thought that's what we would talk about today because man, oh man, that Paul Pelosi attack is 
fishy. It stinks too high heaven. And I want to talk about why. I want to talk about the mainstream media narrative, what the mainstream media narrative means, what the mainstream mainstream media narrative is missing, and the reality that we know happened. And of course, the questions that should be asked that not even one enterprising journalist at any of the corporate media outlets is asking. There's actually one question that I am the most curious about out of all the questions. And we'll get to that in just obviously just a couple minutes. I also want to talk about why the attack on Paul Pelosi and the mainstream media narrative, which we are going to talk about momentarily, why this shows the importance of Elon Musk buying Twitter. So let's get to it. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So if you listen to the mainstream media, I know, big LOL there. If you listen to the mainstream media, what happened to Paul Pelosi, the husband of Nancy Pelosi, Speaker of the House of Representatives, what happened to Paul Pelosi was a white, a right-wing white nationalist who was incited to violence, to political violence by Donald Trump and the ultra-mega crew attacked Paul Pelosi because of his hatred for Nancy Pelosi inspired by I don't know, I guess all of us. I'm not exactly sure how how the mainstream media is trying to tie us, except for the fact that we voted for Trump. I'm not sure how they're trying to tie us to this act of violence. But this is a, these are a couple of the headlines from the New York Times. They say Pelosi attack highlights rising fears of political violence. Keep in mind, we actually don't know the motivation for this attack. We're not exactly sure what motivated this psychopath to attack Paul Pelosi while they were both in their underpants. But the Colorado Sun says, Pelosi husband beaten by a right-wing extremist. This is like the mainstream media's dream. They cannot wait to try to conflate or blame anything bad on us, on right-wingers, on the right, on Trump supporters. The LA Times says, get ready for more political violence. Like, do we even know for a fact that this was political violence? I'm not sure we know that to be the case. We don't really know much about the political motivations of this individual. But the Huffington Post says, Biden rips attack on Paul Pelosi and the right-wing hate that fueled it. Oh, there's a surprise. Biden's calling us extremists that fuel hate again. Well, if only he hadn't already given that speech from the gates of hell telling us that we're evil, maybe we'd be a little bit more surprised. PBS says, violent attack on Paul Pelosi, latest shock and country on edge about threats to democracy. Remember, threats to democracy aren't actual threats to our constitutional republic. It's the left's way of saying that we, the right, are threatening. It's not really democracy, are threatening the Marxist utopia that they want to impose on us. But of course, the best of all, the best of all the headlines comes from Hillary Clinton. And we're going to talk about that in just a second. But first, I want to talk to you about Upside. Upside is a great new app that I've been using. I think you're really going to like it because we're all cringing at the pump, right? Or getting eye popping checks at our favorite restaurants because inflation is hitting us all where it hurts. And it really hurts, which is why I started using the Upside app. Upside is an incredible app 
for anyone who buys groceries, dines out, buys gas. So, you know, all of us. With every purchase, I'm earning cash back thanks to Upside. And it's not too good to be true. I know it sounds like it, but I've used it and it works. To get started, all you have to do is download the free Upside app. And yes, it is free. Then use my code, my promo code Liz5 and you can get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. Next, you claim an offer for whatever you're buying on Upside. This is how it works. You just check in at the business. You pay as usual with a credit or a debit card and then you get paid. In comparison to credit card rewards or loyalty programs, you can earn three times more cash back with Upside. Upside users are earning more than a million dollars a week. So join us, download the free Upside app and use promo code Liz5 to get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. That's $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more using promo code Liz5. But first, download the free Upside app. I think you'll like it. Okay, so Hillary Clinton tweeted and said, the Republican Party and its mouthpieces now regularly spread hate and deranged conspiracy theories. It's shocking, but not surprising that violence is the result. As citizens, we must hold them accountable for their words and actions that follow. Okay, Hillary. Okay. So that's her way of saying that it's your fault. You were basically, you didn't know this, maybe you were sleepwalking, but you were basically walking around in your underwear in Paul Pelosi's house, hitting him with a hammer at 2 a.m in San Francisco. You didn't know it, but it was really you. It was really you. Barack Obama jumped on this train to directly blaming conservatives, falsely accusing conservatives, I should say, for inciting this violence. Turn dangerous. You know, I want to take a moment to say a prayer for a friend of mine, uh, Mr. Paul Pelosi, who was attacked, 82 years old, was attacked when somebody broke into his home looking for his wife, Nancy. And thankfully, doctors believe he's going to be okay, but we'll, we'll let the investigators do their jobs. But, but here's one thing that we can feel, we know. If our rhetoric about each other gets that mean, When, when, when we don't just disagree with people, but we start demonizing them, making wild, crazy allegations about them, that creates a dangerous climate. And if elected officials don't do more to explicitly reject that kind of rhetoric, if they tacitly support it or encourage their supporters to stand up Side voting places armed with guns and dressed in tactical gear. More people can get hurt. And, and we're going to be violating the basic spirit of this country. Yes. So, sir, sir, you know, wait, 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 come on. But, this, but this, is, this is what I mean. You know, people always speculate about who exactly is the person or the people who are pulling the puppet strings on Joe Biden, who's the one controlling him. It's not just Dr. Jill Biden. She's enabling Joe Biden to be used, but people speculate about who exactly is controlling Biden. I think it's this guy. It's this guy. He's the one. He's the one controlling Joe Biden. He's the one setting the Democratic Party narratives. He's not in the Oval Office anymore, but he kind of is. He's the one that's doing it. Okay, so also, I took a screenshot of this headline earlier that when I saw it, 
on Twitter. It's from Reuters. It says, hate speech, online extremism, Fed Pelosi attack, terror experts believe. Oh, well, well, if the experts tell me that it's hate speech that fed the Pelosi attack, then who am I to question? Maybe I shouldn't even respond to this because I'm simply not qualified to have an opinion about this. Okay, then Washington Post. This is what Washington Post writes. It's hard to even read this with a straight face because they're so absurd. Quote, for many Democrats, the attack on Nancy Pelosi's husband represents the all but inevitable conclusion of Republicans' increasingly violent and threatening rhetoric towards their political opponents. A phenomenon that escalated under former President Donald Trump, who prided himself on his inflammatory oratory and who was often reluctant to denounce white nationalists and others spewing hate speech. For a wide swath of Republicans, Pelosi is enemy number one, a target of the collective rage, conspiratorial thinking, and overt misogyny that have marked the party's hard right turn in recent years. This is this is Jeff Bezos' outfit, by the way. So anybody who's saying, oh, Jeff Bezos seems to be, maybe he's taking a little bit of that red pill, just like Elon Musk did. No, 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 no. This is owned by Jeff Bezos. Um, ridiculous. So here's the point. The mainstream media is obviously just propaganda, right? The mainstream media had zero journalistic curiosity about what actually happened in the Paul Pelosi attack. We're going to break every detail of that down in just a second, but they're just propaganda. This is what the left wanted. This is, this is what the left wants. The left is happy to see political violence when they think that violence or when they can falsely blame that violence on conservatives, on right-wingers, on hate speech, on conspiracy theories. I mean, they're bringing out all their big guns. These are their worst insults, that, that you're a racist, that you're hateful, that you're misogynistic, that you sling conspiracy theories. What else are they supposed to call us? I mean, they've already called Trump actual Nazis and actual Hitler. They've called us extremists and domestic terrorists. This is, this is their dream. Just like they tried to create that insurrection on January 6th because they wanted it to happen. They wanted people on the right to commit violence in the name of politics so that, they can, so that the government can use that as justification to crack down on our ability to participate in our political process. That's what the left wants here. They want voters in our country to look at the Paul Pelosi attack and think, oh my God, I could never vote for a Republican because Republicans commit political violence. Republicans are bad people. Well then, maybe I should vote for a Democrat. The problem is that that's not true. The problem is we have no indication that that's even what happened to Paul Pelosi. The mainstream media, who claims that they're straight news, they claim that they're unbiased, they claim that they're not a mouthpiece of the Democratic Party, which we all know they are, they're just lying. They're absolutely lying. And let's not pretend that the mainstream media cares one iota about violence, political violence particularly. They don't care about violence in general. Look at the crime rate in inner city. Look at what happens when there's no cash bail. Look at what happens when there's George Soros-funded progressive prosecutors that refuse to, to prosecute violent crimes. They don't, they don't care about violence in general. They particularly don't care about political violence. They didn't care about the Black Lives Matter riots. They didn't care. Can you name how many people were killed by Black Lives Matter rioters. How many people died in those riots? The left doesn't want you to know. The left doesn't want to talk about that. The left pretends that there were people killed on January 6th by the protesters when zero people, including zero police officers, were killed by the protesters on January 6th, even the ones that, that vandalized or broke into the Capitol. 
the mainstream media does not care at all about political violence. They don't care about Antifa. But think about think about violence that's just motivated by political ideology. Think about the congressional baseball game. What happened there? A nutcase opened fire when when Congress members were playing baseball. This individual that opened fire, this deranged individual specifically targeted Republicans. This individual was a Bernie bro, a fan of Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders had been peddling rhetoric that Republicans in Congress were deliberately killing people because Republicans in Congress wanted to end Obamacare because Obamacare was a disaster that caused the price of health care to skyrocket. This guy opened fire, Steve Scalise, Republican whip, was almost killed, but the Democrats didn't care. Marjorie Taylor Greene has been swatted a half a dozen times. That means somebody calls 911, claims there's a hostage situation, police send a SWAT team to her house. This is a very dangerous thing if it happens to you. Six times that's happened to Marjorie Taylor Greene. The mainstream media does not care about political violence. What about when the Marco Rubio staffer was brutally beaten? Or not, not staffer, but the, the guy that was canvassing for Marco Rubio. He was brutally beaten. What, there was like one, two, a couple, a handful of headlines. It was nowhere near top billing for the mainstream media outlets. They do not care about political violence when that violence is committed against people on the right. What about Senator Rand Paul? Senator Rand Paul was brutally beaten. He underwent surgery. He had broken ribs. His wife says he could barely breathe. He was in so much pain after this assault. The left does not care about political violence. The mainstream media is just propaganda. They do not care about political violence, which is why they had no interest whatsoever in asking questions about what actually happened during this Paul Pelosi attack. Who was this attacker? And what was he doing in his underwear in Paul Pelosi's house at 2 a.m. in San Francisco and the questions that the mainstream media won't ask, I want to talk to you. I want us to talk about tonight because there are some questions that are real head scratchers that ought to be answered. But first, I want to talk to you about American Hartford Gold. Thank goodness for American Hartford Gold. If you're like me, you're growing more and more concerned about the future of our country. Inflation is at its highest level in 40 years. Interest rates are skyrocketing. Market experts like Jamie Dimon, who is the CEO of JP Morgan, not only predict a recession, but they're using terms like economic hurricane and unprecedented. Makes you feel a little unsettled, doesn't it? Well, if you want to protect your future, I suggest you do what I did. Call the only precious metal dealers that I trust, American Hartford Gold. They can show you how to protect your savings and retirement accounts by diversifying your portfolio with physical gold and silver. All it takes to get started is a short phone call and they'll have physical gold and silver delivered right to your door or inside your IRA or 401k. And they make it really easy. They're the highest rated firm in the country with an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau and thousands of satisfied clients. And if you call them right now, they will give you up to $1,500 of free silver on your first order. So don't wait. Call them right now. Call 866-781-7499. That's 866-781-7499. Or if you prefer text messaging, text the word Liz to 65532. Again, the phone number is 866-781-7499 or text L-I-Z to 65532. You'll be glad you did. Okay, so let's start with the obvious question here. Who exactly was this individual that attacked Paul Pelosi? Well, he's a 42-year-old guy by the name of David DePape, DePappy? I'm not actually sure how to pronounce his name, but I guess it is inconsequential to this discussion. We'll call him David DePape. There he is on the screen. He's he's obviously a ne'er-do-well. You can tell by his eyes. He's, I mean, 
he's a drug addict, right? He's a, he's a homeless guy. He's a, he's a psychopath. He committed an egregious wrong. It doesn't matter the circumstances. You don't beat someone else up with a hammer. But it is really important to look at the background of this guy. He was a drug addict. In fact, Michael Schellenberger, who's been doing really, really good work, we've talked about him a couple weeks ago with his reporting on climate change, but he was one of the first ones to report on where DePape lives and what happens in this, this hippie commune that, that DePape lives in. So he lives, first of all, in a nudist hippie commune, which means it's, he's not really living there. He's kind of loosely associated with his house, as far as we know. And that's why he's also categorized as, as being a drifter or being homeless. Well, Michael Schellenberger reports that this house is known for the use of some heavy drugs. This is what Schellenberger tweets. Quote, people come and go from the house and the vehicles, neighbors say, in part to partake in the use of a potent psychedelic drug, ibogaine. They go to Mexico and they get this drug that's legal there and then they bring it back and they treat people. Okay, so a psychedelic drug. So if this guy is a frequent user of a psychedelic drug and he's part of a nudist hippie commune, well, that seems like those might be the defining characteristics of this individual and not necessarily his politics when we can't find much, at least as of yet, regarding his political ideology. What we do know is in this nudist hippie commune house that serves psychedelic drugs, there is indication that this commune has very left-wing views. You can see a picture of this house. Outside of the house, hanging in a tree, is a Black Lives Matter pride flag. This is actually a desecration of the American flag, right? Makes me, it, it, it upsets me to see when people take the style of the American flag and fill it in with these very left-wing Marxist ideologies. But there, there it is, hanging in the tree, right? It's the pride flag, the Black Lives Matter flag. And if you look really closely where the stars should be, that's actually a marijuana leaf. Yeah, it's a marijuana leaf. So not only do they have this psychedelic drug, what's it called, ibogaine, abogaine, also advocating for marijuana. And this is, this is where um, even some of you guys who we agree on like 90, 95% of stuff are gonna come at me for this opinion and I don't care, come at me, bring me your best. I bet, I would bet probably a million dollars that this guy is a heavy marijuana user. Because what did the studies show? The studies show that marijuana causes psychosis and marijuana causes violence. Come at me. I don't care. I don't care. We've had this conversation before. And until data can prove me wrong, I am going to stick. I'm going to stick with this. The media as well, they're going to ignore this reality. But, you know, the fact that marijuana causes psychosis and marijuana causes violence, literally standing right there in its underwear, wielding a hammer. I don't know what you can say that's going to convince me, convince me differently here. So Black Lives Matter and Pride Flag, marijuana, another psychedelic drug, a nudist hippie commune. Well, this doesn't sound like your classic right-winger to me. This doesn't sound like your stalwart conservative activist to me. And here's where it gets even a more strange, if possible. I mean, this story is just bananas from start to finish. The audio from the police dispatcher when they were sending a cop to Pelosi's house, the police audio makes sure to repeat the fact that when Paul Pelosi called 911 to request a wellness check, he didn't report that there was a person that had broken into his home and was trying to assault him. He called David DePape the underwear-wearing, hammer-wielding, drug-using, nudist, hippie psychopath, he called him a friend. Listen to this. 
Northern four car, a priority 910, 2640 Broadway, cross of Scott and Normandy. Hey, 14 hour copy. RP stated that there's a male in the home and that he's going to wait for his wife. RP stated that he doesn't know who the male is, but he advised that his name is David and that he is a friend. RP sounded somewhat confused. Is a friend? RP sounded somewhat confused. 12 hour back and copy. See, this is one of the strangest parts to me. Because I just picture myself in this scenario. If I'm home alone in my house and someone comes and breaks in my home past all of the security and they're in my home, especially someone who's in their underwear and someone who might have a weapon and I'm able to sneak off to the bathroom, which also, by the way, just a little tangent here, is a really odd thing to do for an attacker. Apparently, reportedly, Paul Pelosi told this guy in the middle of their argument, I have to go to the bathroom. The guy just let him go to the bathroom. <laughs> so if he is, if he is a housebreaker, he's a super stupid one, super bad at what he does, but whatever. Again, that's a tangent. But I picture myself in this scenario, and if I'm, if I'm in the bathroom on the phone with police, the first thing I say is, this is an emergency. Send cops as quick as you can. I don't know this person. I'm afraid someone broke into my house. Hurry, this is awful. I fear for my life. All of the things that you would say in that scenario, Paul Pelosi didn't say any of that. Paul Pelosi was like, oh, you know, he's a friend who seems confused. Could you send a wellness check? Is that what you would say if someone had broken into your house? Wouldn't you say, send police, send... I'm calling 911, send someone as fast as you can before this person kills me, before they rape me, before they hurt me. This, this is the absolute strangest part. This is the biggest red flag to me. I know that there are reports now, 24 hours, 48 hours after this police, this police audio surfaced, there are reports now that Paul Pelosi says or claims that he didn't know this man, he didn't know David DePape. I don't know whether I believe that, to be honest. Because I don't know why you would call this man a friend who was confused and asked for a wellness check at 2 a.m. if he broke into your house. If he broke into your house. The original reports also said that when police arrived, Politico reported actually, that police were allowed into the house. They were given entry into the house by some third person, some unknown third person who was in the house. That has also been... been contradicted now. Now, some local news outlets are reporting that there wasn't a third person at the house. But this just actually begs more questions. The original question, if if Politico's report was correct, and the police were let into the house by an unknown third person, the obvious question is, who is that third person? And what was that third person doing at the home? But if there wasn't a third person, then who let police in? Did they did they force entry? Is there signs of force entry? Was the door unlocked? Did they just walk in? Did Paul Pelosi let them in? Did David DePape let them in? Those kind of details seem really, really pertinent to whether this was an emergency because this was someone that broke into the home in the middle of the night, a stranger who randomly assaulted Paul Pelosi because of his hatred of Nancy Pelosi, or whether this was some kind of connection or some kind of acquaintance that erupted into some sort of domestic violence scene. Nancy Pelosi's third in line for the presidency. It seems awfully suspect to me that she lives in a gated community. Who let him in the gates? Did Paul Pelosi let him in? 
Did the guard let him in? Was there some kind of negligence? Was he allowed in for some other reason? Was he an Uber driver? Like, how was he allowed in the gated community? How did he even get in? How did he get past all the security guards on the premises of Nancy Pelosi's house? The police? Was there no secret service there? I don't understand how he gets in the house when this has got to be one of the most locked down houses in the entire country. Nancy Pelosi is one of the most powerful politicians in the country. And then, of course, we have the fact that when police went into the house, it didn't appear that there was violence that was happening because the original report said the police watched him, watched David DePape attack Paul Pelosi, and that's at that point they intervened. Does this not add up to anyone else? Because this just seems awfully, awfully suspect to me. Again, the mainstream media is certainly going to ignore the marijuana relevance or even the drug relevance, but the question that I have beyond just, okay, was this a random drug-induced paranoid psychopath who did randomly break into Paul Pelosi's house or... Was Paul Pelosi connected to this to this man in some way? I mean, did he buy drugs from the guy if he didn't know him personally? Like, what is the connection here? There's a woman who is currently in prison. She's serving time in prison for child abduction. She was sent to prison in 2021. Her name is Oxane Taub. She calls herself the ex-life partner of David DePape. So, okay, ex-life partner. Does that mean ex-wife? Does that mean ex-lover? Who knows? Some kind of weird hippie hippie nonsense. She claims that DePape has been mentally ill for a long time. She said one time he disappeared for an entire year and they didn't hear hide nor hair from him. And then when he returned, he was completely out of it. This is what she says. She said he thought he was Jesus. He was constantly paranoid, thinking people were after him. And it took a good year or two to get back to, you know, being halfway normal. So clearly this guy was, is damaged, majorly damaged, brain damaged by drugs. Again, everyone's going to overlook that. But I don't think in good faith, you can overlook that. It seems like that is his defining characteristic, which again, begs the question, what is his association with Paul Pelosi? Why was he allowed through this gate? Why was he allowed in the house? Why did Paul Pelosi describe him as a friend who was confused, who needed a wellness check? Really, really weird, really, really weird. But here's where this ex-life partner of uh, David DePape answers the question about his political views. Was this politically motivated? We don't know. It might have been. We don't have any indication of that to the level that the mainstream media is making that claim. And here's what Oxane Taub, the former, the ex-life partner of David DePape, says. She said, when I met him, he was only 20 years old, and he didn't have any experience in politics, and he was very much in alignment with my views, and I've always been very progressive. Okay. So for most of his life, it sounds like he identified or he aligned with what that hippie commune looked like, Black Lives Matter, and marijuana and pride flag and all of that. Now, did his views change? Possibly. Possibly. It sounds like he has some posts online that indicate that he was diving into conspiracy theories. I don't really know what kind of conspiracy theories, but it seems like his defining characteristic was that he was drug addled. Why was he in his underwear? Here's my question. Was he wearing clothes when he arrived at Nancy Pelosi's house? Like when he went through the gate at the gated community, was he just in tidy whities Did he have clothes on? Where did he lose his clothes? Were they just laying around the Pelosi's house? Like were his clothes found at the scene of this crime? That seems like a very pertinent question, very pertinent question to ask. 
This is so incredibly fishy, so incredibly fishy. And elementary journalism would, would call us all to ask these questions before we, we published headlines like, oh, right-wing violence, this is the fault of Trump and everyone that has ever been associated with the Republican Party. But of course, um, the mainstream media doesn't care about what questions should be asked. So I, ha I have just a couple, I actually have one very important question that I think should be asked. We're gonna talk about that in just a second, but first I wanna to talk to you about ExpressVPN. I like ExpressVPN because it keeps my family and our information safe when we're online. When you go online without a VPN, internet service providers can see every website that you visit. And then they can legally sell your information without your consent to ad companies and tech giants who then use your data to target you. If you go online without ExpressVPN, well, if you'll indulge my analogy here, using the internet without ExpressVPN is like, going to the bathroom with the door open. Yeah, you want to keep your business private, you know, unless you are a hammer-wielding, underwear-wearing, midnight attacker in San Francisco. But, you know, I don't think that's very many of us. When you use ExpressVPN, internet service providers cannot see your online activity. Your identity is anonymized by a secure VPN server. Your data is also encrypted for maximum protection. And don't worry, if you're technologically challenged, it's super easy to use. You just fire up the app, you click one button, and it works on all your devices, phones, laptops, even routers. So everyone who shares your Wi-Fi can be protected. I like ExpressVPN because it keeps my family and our personal information safe when we are online. You can secure your online activity too by visiting expressvpn.com slash Liz. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash Liz. And you can get an extra three months free if you use my URL, expressvpn.com slash Liz. Okay, so here are some of the questions that I think need to be answered. Did someone let the attacker in? Because we've had conflicting reports. Early reports said yes, a third person let him in the house. Recent reports said no. So did, was there a third person? Did someone let him in? If so, who and why? <laughs> why would you let someone in at 2.30? Did Paul Pelosi know him? Or did he have any association with this guy or anyone in that hippie commune? And if he did have an association, what was it? Was Pelosi, Paul Pelosi, buying drugs? And had he ever before purchased drugs from this person or anybody associated with this drug house? Was the security system just flipped off that night? Do we not have any tapes? I'm not gonna pretend that this would surprise me because Nancy Pelosi is the same person who has been hiding 14,000 hours of footage from January 6th. But there's no footage that she's not in control of. Maybe the entrance to the gated community, nothing. Why were they both in their underwear? Is that how Paul Pelosi sleeps and David DePape walked in the same way or shed his clothes when they were in there? Kind of makes you wonder, this is my big question, were they gay lovers? Because that's what it looks like. It looks like this was a domestic dispute. The Daily Mail published a headline, and I will just say this headline is a process in and of itself. This is what they said. The nudist ex-lover of Paul Pelosi attacker is a female pedophile who harassed a 14-year-old boy and who bought sex dolls for their son to use. Yeah, take a minute to think about that one, to unpack that one. The nudist ex-lover of the Paul Pelosi attacker, so that's 
the woman in jail. She's a pedophile because she harassed a 14-year-old boy. And she's also a creep because she bought sex dolls for their sons to use. There's a weird sexual aspect to this story. Does it involve Paul Pelosi? I don't know. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe it does. But wouldn't enterprising journalists who actually cared about the truth ask that question? Well, the mainstream media certainly doesn't care. The mainstream media is not interested at all in the truth. They are simply the propaganda arm for the Democratic Party. The Democratic Party is happy this happened. They're happy Paul Pelosi was attacked. They're happy he was injured. They're happy he underwent surgery because they think it will help them in the midterms. They think they can demonize half of the country and convince voters that Republicans are so evil that you couldn't possibly vote Republican, you have to vote Democrat. That's not a very strong party platform. But here's the bigger picture here. If we zoom out from the Paul Pelosi attack, acknowledging that we actually may never know exactly what happened, we can be pretty sure that what the mainstream media is telling us is not true because there's already been evidence that they're telling lies. But we may never know the facts here because Nancy Pelosi is the queen of the cover-up. But this is exactly what Elon Musk was talking about when he tweeted about citizen journalists. He tweeted a couple days ago and said, a beautiful thing about Twitter is how it empowers citizen journalism. People are able to disseminate news without an establishment bias. And I thought to myself when I saw that, I thought the Paul Pelosi story is actually a perfect example of that. Because without exception, every single corporate media outlet and left-leaning outlet, which is all the mainstream media, are headlining this event in the exact same way. It's right-wing violence, fueled by hate speech, incited by Trump and all ultra-mega Trump supporters. Without exception, every single mainstream media outlet is pushing the Democratic Party narrative. So what information would you and I have to dissent from this, well, fake news, this lying, if not for Twitter? Think about what Twitter has uncovered. Without Twitter, Twitter being the collective of citizen journalists, we wouldn't know any of the things. We wouldn't necessarily have the audio from the police dispatcher proving or substantiating the claim that Paul Pelosi called David DePape a friend who was confused and asked police for a wellness check. Without Twitter, would we have the photograph of the hippie commune with the Black Lives Matter flag and the pride flag with the marijuana leaf on it? Without Twitter, would we have disseminated or widely circulated? Would you have heard? Would I have heard about this, this ex-life partner of David DePapes who's in prison for child abduction who said that when she knew him, his political views aligned with hers and hers are very progressive. She's a fan of Nancy Pelosi, she says. Without Twitter... Do you think that we would have heard any of this? This is the power of Twitter. This is what Elon Musk actually recognizes about Twitter. This, this is what has made Twitter not just a social media platform that had a quick rise and a quick fall like so many others, but this is what has made Twitter the most powerful platform for political speech in the entire world. It's also why Elon Musk should unblock the following people. Elon Musk should unblock Project Veritas and James O'Keefe, both of whom, I mean, Project Veritas is James O'Keefe's operation. They're investigative journalists. 
They've both been permanently banned. Why? Because Twitter unilaterally decided that undercover journalism, meaning doing, they're, they're essentially stings, right? Where James O'Keefe's journalists sit down, usually in a restaurant in a public area, wearing undercover cameras, record conversations with, you know, maybe Twitter employees, maybe staffers on Democrat campaigns, maybe big pharma employees, and then publish it. And Twitter determined that that is a violation of these people's privacy because they didn't give permission for their words and their, oftentimes their faces aren't even shown, their words and their names to be published. Imagine, by the way, if that were the rule for all journalism. We could never report on anyone, anything negative about anyone unless they gave their permission. (laughs) We'd never be able to report anything is what would happen. Project Veritas and James O'Keefe are incredibly influential and should be reinstated on Twitter if, if Elon means what he says, if he is sincere when he says the beautiful thing about Twitter is how it empowers citizen journalism, people able to disseminate news without an establishment bias. The same with Dr. Peter McCullough who is the leading cardiologist, the most published cardiologist in the entire field, who's been banned from Twitter because he dissents, he's he's questioned, he's skeptical of the the COVID-19 vaccine. What about Dr. Robert Malone? He holds patents on the mRNA technology in the COVID-19 vaccine, and he likewise has questioned the efficacy and the honesty of what public health officials and politicians and Big Pharma and the FDA and the CDC have done with the COVID vaccine, and he was nixed from Twitter. If we're serious, if Elon is serious about Twitter empowering citizen journalists to disseminate news without an establishment bias, he should reinstate these people immediately. Even Donald Trump. Why was Donald Trump banned? Well, Donald Trump was banned because Twitter employees hate Donald Trump. The Democratic Party hates Donald Trump. But their justification was that Donald Trump was inciting violence, inciting an insurrection on January 6th by tweeting about election integrity, tweeting about voter fraud. But Donald Trump, in a sense, was a citizen journalist himself, reporting on things that did not get past the gatekeepers at the establishment media. This is the power of Twitter. If Twitter is restored to what it was 10 years ago, if citizen journalists prevail, our country will be a very different place. And the Paul Pelosi story, like I said, if you zoom out, the Paul Pelosi story is a perfect example of that. Also, also, Elon Musk tweeted at me today. We had a little bit back and forth, but we're going to talk about that tomorrow. So make sure to tune in. Thank you for watching today. Thank you for listening. I'm Liz Wheeler. This is The Liz Wheeler Show. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.